You're getting a SAM surround sound experience today on the CX Patterns Podcast. I'm talking with my former colleague, Sam Karpinski, about B2B2C experiences. She's done a lot of research in this area, and as you'll hear in our conversation, it's striking the diversity of partner relationships that companies have. They rely on their partners and intermediaries to provide all manner of support for delivering the customer experience. I will say, I had done a bit of research and written a few case studies on companies with this model in the past, but the level of detail that Sam Karpinski shared in this episode is well beyond what I knew, and you're going to hear some fantastic examples and models for how to use partners to create better experiences. The power of local knowledge, contextual knowledge, expertise that a large company can have, personalized or localized experiences, that's one way that working with partners can help companies deliver better experiences. Ownership quotient is another. The fact that each location of a hotel just about is owned by a small business, someone with a vested stake in making that location successful. Anyway, Sam K drops some great knowledge as she talks with Sam S. Oh, that's me. So let's get to the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the CX Patterns Podcast with Sam Stern. And very excited for you today. You have Sam Squared. I have my former Forrester colleague, Sam Karpinski, on the line. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Nice to be here. It's much nicer than when we were at Forrester or consistently other Sam. <laughs> right. You were. I left and then you were just Sam. Yeah. And now we're both at, in, out <laughs> in the world. So we, we don't have to be in reference to each other. Although I will tell you, there are two other Sams on my LinkedIn customer experience team. So I'm, and I was the last arrival. So I'm now other other Sam. I've been that. (laughs) Yes, you've been there. So now I feel your pain. Well, great to talk to you today. You have written at Forrester a lot about B2B2C customer experiences. And what are these exactly? Well, when you, you start to think about so many delivery ecosystems that companies have, whether it's fast food restaurants, hotels, auto dealerships, those are all independently owned and operated businesses. I don't know how many people are aware of this or not. But when you walk into a hotel or a fast food restaurant or to the auto dealer, you're not actually in a Hampton Inn owned by Hilton. It's owned by an independent business. And what's striking to me, Sam, is how much complexity that adds to the delivery ecosystem of those brands, of those companies. And it makes their job harder in many ways. I would imagine I'm projecting here. But I would then think there has to be an upside to why they're doing this. So what are the advantages of having partners and having those intermediaries to help you deliver your customer experience? Yeah, uh, great question. So one of my favorite examples, speaking to the CX upsides, comes from the window treatments brand Hunter Douglas, who really sees those intermediary partner dealers as their customers. So You or I could call their helpline and get customer service help, but really 90% or more of the calls that go to that line are from those dealers and they're focused on serving them because those dealers have a lot of knowledge of the area that they serve. They're aware of what kinds of houses there are, what styles are popular, all those kinds of things. And Hunter Douglas doesn't want to be responsible for having to know all of that. And so by leaning on these local dealers with their local knowledge, they're able to serve those folks and in the end, serve the customer, the end customer better. 
Got it. So they're, in this example, they're relying on their partners to personalize, to localize an experience that they provide or a product set to the needs of that local market. Exactly. There are other reasons to do that as well if you get away from the franchise model or the dealer model. If you think about a retailer, you know, I grew up in the book world other than the Scholastic Book Fair. Uh, you never get your books directly from the publisher or from a single a bookstore that has just one publisher, right? So you would go to some place that has a lot of different options. Most retailers are that middle partner in the B2B2C ecosystem. And then sometimes they can add a, another layer of flavor, if you will. So Airbnb is a B2B2C business, right? And they face the same challenges as the retailers providing books or the auto dealers, right? Because you want to have an Airbnb experience regardless of who the host is, the same way you want to have a Toyota experience regardless of who the dealer is. And uh, I've been getting a lot of Airbnb ads recently, and they're leaning into the value that those hosts provide. And there is a unique touch that they can bring. And so there are benefits to that, to that kind of an experience and that kind of a business model from a CX standpoint. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And and yet, as you were describing some of those examples, I'm just imagining this huge spectrum, right? Airbnb is a platform that enables people to rent out their spare room to house to everything else in between. Those are all different. It's it's kind of the design of, of how that works. Whereas, you know, you compare it to a Toyota dealership, but even better, I'll compare it to a hotel chain. Each of those properties is supposed to have a similar look and feel, right? The the hotel chains have signature scents, signature fonts. You know, it's all of that is prescribed. So how do you think about or how should a brand think about to what degree they want that the intermediaries, the partners to adhere to exacting brand standards versus going in the other direction? And I think it doesn't have to be Airbnb, Hunter Douglas, as you were describing. Sounds like they're making pretty substantive changes for a local to reflect a local market's needs and, and preferences. And that feels like it would be different than if it was a fast food chain where the point of it is that it's the same no matter where you are. So how do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great point. And one thing I will say is that across all these business models, what makes them in my mind quintessentially B2B2C is the fact that they're trying to deliver the brand's experience and they want that to be consistent, consistently on brand and excellent across the board. Um, no matter which industry it is, they're still trying to deliver their experience through that partner. But when it comes to how you deliver that experience, I think that there are really two, two frameworks to keep in mind as you do. And they have to do with how you interact with those interme intermediary partners and how you think about them. And the first is to think of them as your employees. And this makes sense along the auto dealer side, along the um, hotel side, fast food chains, all of those, right? Where potentially somebody's even wearing a uniform with your uh, company's brand on it. And so on that side, you want to think of them as employees in a lot of ways and treat them as employees. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there is, we'll pick on Airbnb because we already were, but also this holds true for retailers. There are those who you want to think of more as customers, the way that Hunter Douglas does. 
And just like you've got the pillars that make a great customer experience, you want to have pillars that will provide an excellent partner experience when you think of the partner as a customer. Yeah, I, I like that dichotomy that you're describing there, because even as I know that the Hampton Inn that I'm staying at, their employees there are not employees of Hampton Corporate of Hilton. I lose that because, as you said, they're wearing uniforms that that say Hampton in on it. And they there does seem to be consistency in how they show up and how they interact with me versus Airbnb. You're almost never going to interact with the host. And the, the whole point of the property is that it doesn't look like a standard hotel. I think it'd be weird if Airbnb had a hotel, for example, it would feel yeah. off brand to your point. And so there's sort of that natural platform intermediary effect for them where both sides, they need to keep happy. All of the platform businesses are in that same boat, whether it's Amazon or Uber or Airbnb. So let's, let's tackle these one by one. When you think about a B2B2C relationship where you're, you're pretty much thinking of your partners as employees, what, what do you recommend or what should brands be thinking about to uh, ensure that those employees, in quotes, are able to deliver a great experience on their behalf to their shared customers? Yeah, a, a great question. Something that I think brands often pivot too quickly towards is that penalty, um, the the stick, as if you think about the carrot and the stick. And this is one of those times when I think enablement is key because it is your intermediary partner's business, right? The owner of that franchise or dealership or whatever it is wants to succeed, right? The owner of the retail store wants to succeed. And so by punishing them when they're already struggling, that's not going to help them succeed. There is a if you know Getting to Yes, the book, you've got your BATNA. There is a point at which you need to say this relationship isn't worth it anymore and walk away. But typically, if somebody wants to succeed, the best thing you can do is enable them to do that. And so one of the first things you want to do is establish brand standards, right? What makes something a McDonald's experience, Toyota experience, a Hilton experience? You want to have those as standards. And then you want to educate your intermediary on those standards and enable them to execute on that, right? From your Hampton example from uh, previously, if the managers are supposed to be personable and up to date on their customers and the brand says that these are the standards and here's what you have to do, but then they don't change the policies to enable the managers to take the time in the morning to meet with the to meet with the customers, the guests, then they're still going to have a problem. So they have to not only educate, but also enable. They want to coordinate customer interactions, reward or penalize intermediaries. Again, rewarding is probably the way to go if you can, which often takes the form of reinvestment. If you can do X amount of business, then we'll upgrade your facilities to make them even better, that kind of a thing. And then you also want to incorporate their feedback right? You want to learn from them about what's working well and what's not. One of my favorite examples of this education, it comes from actually Trek bicycles. I know somebody who worked for a Trek dealer. This bike shop sold both Trek and other brands. Trek has an online platform where you can learn 
about the brand, about the bicycles, and it's incentivized and you get discounts if you do a certain number of courses. Um, Along with teaching you about the product, which is pretty standard, they would also teach you how to sell. So the idea was that the customer needed to be the hero of their journey. And the salesperson was, I believe, the trainer along that. And so they would actually help enable through this platform to make sure that the customer experience was the kind that Trek wanted it to be. Yeah, I love that example with Trek. So just going to go back on a couple of things for yeah. our listeners here. Batna, if you don't know, probably most of you do, but best alternative to a negotiated agreement, uh, a great concept that, that comes from getting to yes and, and is a reminder to everyone out there. There are po- points at which you'll have to say, this relationship isn't working anymore. We, yeah. we need to move on from each other. And then in, in the Hampton Inn one, and you described it well, but this idea that it's not enough to say, we're going to train you how to provide a great guest experience. We also need to think through for you, hotel employees, what is making it easier for you to do that or harder? What is getting in your way that we're asking you to do, as in sending paperwork, financial paperwork first thing in the morning when you should actually be working at the breakfast buffet? And how can we clear some of those hurdles? How can we not be the reason why you're not providing a great guest experience? The Trek one is such a nice example as well. It's not enough to know product information. You need to know what the customers are coming in wanting to accomplish with the bike. What is the bike's job to be done? And in cycling, that is very different things, even with the same product. I used to see this when I worked at New Balance with running shoes. A lot of running shoes were bought and would never be run in. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to turn off people who are excited about the level of cushioning in the running shoe for daily activities or for walking because they're looking at it as it's going to serve that need well. If it's good enough for a runner, it's good enough for me when I'm walking around in terms of level of cushioning. And they buy a lot of shoes (laughs) and people might buy really nice bikes and ride them around town to to do errands or commute on them to work. And that's okay. The workers at the bike store, they're going to need to do a good job of selling, do a good job of interacting with a customer. If you, Trek, are going to meet your goals of how many bikes you want to sell to cyclists in this world. Yeah. And to to really hammer home the point, they were establishing the standards, the brand standards for somebody who just carried the brand, who wasn't even wearing the shirt that said, you know, Mm. Trek on it. Yeah, that's a great point. So I want to go back to the idea that this needs to be more about carrots than sticks. And yet a lot of brands have the inclination, the instinct to reach immediately for penalties or sticks if there is lack of compliance or lack of follow through or, you know, capability. And that you talked as well about the fact that brands should be in dialogue with their partners, getting feedback from them, learning from them too. All of that implies a lot of trust. And I'm wondering how brands get there with their partners. I'm sure many have that trusting relationship, but what what starts to build this trust between brands and their partners to be able to have that kind of two-way communication and and belief that we're all trying to get to good outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you just touched on it when you said two-way communication because trust is a two-way street. So brands need to trust their intermediary partners, but also those intermediaries need to be able to trust the brand. And I think that's where a lot of the struggle actually comes in is because the partners are worried about the brands going D to C or B to C, depending on what the industry calls it. But they're worried about getting cut out of the equation. And they're worried that if they share 
their metrics, if there's something they're not doing that well with, that they'll get penalized by the brand. And so when brands do work with intermediaries, they need to be transparent and upfront about it. There was an example from when uh, I was at Forrester that I heard about in which there was a, a dealer who was afraid of journey mapping. They didn't understand the process. They just knew that the big bad brand was going to come in and spend a lot of time there and get in the way of their processes and judge them a lot. And they didn't like it. But by really explaining what the process was and showing how it could be beneficial, they were not only able to successfully journey map, the dealer started doing it independently and journey mapping um, on their own after the brand had finished its project. Wow. Yes. So that's a good example of yeah. where you you get them to a, a point yeah. of trust when they started from a point of skepticism. We've explored this path of the partner as employee. What about the other path, the partner as customer? So just like there are drivers of a good customer experience, there are drivers of a good partner experience. So I worked on the CX index when I was at Forrester and some of the driver buckets that we looked at included communication, customer service, prices and fees, respects me as a customer, website and mobile app, products and services, all of those kinds of things. And there's a flip side to that, a mirror image, if you will, for that, for the intermediary experience. So communication, customer service, remain the same. Prices and fees would look like monetary incentives and penalties. If I sell your insurance project as an insurance agent, as an independent agent, will I get a better cut? Will I get a better fee? So that's one thing. Another is the product or the brand itself. You know, as a retailer, am I proud to be selling this brand? Website and mobile app, obviously you have technological touch points. And then the last one is valuing the intermediary's role in the ecosystem. Do they feel like they're a crucial part of that delivery chain and that they're respected. And I think that that's a really important one. It's striking to me to hear you talk about words like valued and respected and appreciated as mattering to partners. And that is that is very intuitive, right? You know, appreciating my role in delivering this experience to your customers. It mirrors words that come up as top emotions that matter to customers too in, in Forrester CX Index. So that makes a lot of sense to me that there would be that parallel there. And then it makes sense why you are describing this as treating partners as customers, because you're, you're seeing that parallel sort of relationship in terms of what matters most to them in their dealings with you as a company. Same for partners, same for customers. If you're treating those partners as customers, that makes it a little simpler for you as a company, as a brand. Um. Well, Sam, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. And listeners, I'd, I'd highlight the importance of the partners you work with. They either complicate things and limit your ability to reach and serve your customers well, or they're leverage. They allow you to reach far more customers and tailor your experience and go into local markets with the appropriate experience. And so that's why this is such an important part of your customer experience delivery ecosystem. It either hinders or it uh, allows you to scale what you are doing with customers. Uh, thanks for joining us. And Sam, thanks for, for joining us and sharing your wisdom. And uh, listeners, we've included links to some of the examples and resources that she mentioned in the show notes of this episode. We'll talk to you on the, ne the next episode of CX Patterns.
thanks to Sam Karpinski for walking us through the continuum of B to B to C relationships, running roughly from Airbnb all the way to hotel chains that have brand guidebooks hundreds of pages long, and of course, everything in between those two examples. Honestly, I didn't think of it before that conversation, but Airbnb is indeed a B to B to C business. Each location, just about, is unique, so you can see how companies are turning the dial pushing towards more personalization, less standardization on the one end, each home or room on Airbnb is way at that at one end, while a hotel chain would be at the other, offering a much, much more standardized product and offering. And as a customer of both hotels and Airbnb, there are some trips, there are some use cases, some jobs to be done that I need Airbnb for and others that I need a hotel for, and plenty that overlap, of course. But you can think about how that continuum is providing diversity, more options in the market too, to customers. So to what degree should you look to personalize or tailor experiences for local markets? Well, one way to think about this is what level you're defining local market at. Because Airbnb, if you think about it, goes down to the very local market, neighborhoods in cities, small towns. But You take a company like McDonald's and you think of it as this consistent menu across our entire country talking to you from the U.S., but they actually offer vastly different products and menus in other countries. So they're localizing perhaps at the country level, maybe at the regional level. That's one way to think about it. And then how should you treat intermediaries? So in our conversation, Sam Kay talked about the dichotomy between employees or customers as a model for how companies treat their partners, their intermediaries. And there's this concept of the uniform test. So on the employee side of the equation would be restaurant locations, hotels, auto dealers. Because the main company, let's say the auto OEM or the hotel chain, they're asking employees in that location to act as if they are employees of the overall brand. So then you want to provide a great employee experience, treat them like employees because they're wearing your uniform. They are representing to the customer that they work for you. On the extreme other side, Airbnb, which is very useful for giving that one end of the pole here, more customization. Imagine an Airbnb host greeting you at the door to their house that you've rented with an Airbnb logo polo shirt on. It's ludicrous. It's silly, right? They wouldn't do that. So, Back to what Sam K mentioned, you need to be clear. Are you treating your intermediaries and partners like employees or like customers? Then think about how you best set them up for success. The other advantage with intermediaries and partners is that you can end the relationship if it's not working. They are part of your ecosystem, but not one that is so tightly integrated where they're literally employees or a business unit of your company. You both owe each other something. You both need to get value from the partnership. And when that breaks down, moving on is reasonable. Respect the work that intermediaries do. Everyone wants to feel recognized, appreciated, and valued for what they do, the contributions they make. That's true of partners in your experience ecosystem, just as much as it's true for your customers and your employees. So highlighting the value that partners add, making it clear to them that you notice and appreciate it, that goes a long way with your partners. So think about this. What matters to partners, feeling valued, feeling appreciated, being seen, are very similar to the drivers that matter to customers in the experience. They want to be valued as a customer. They want to have their time respected. 
They want to feel like they can trust you because you're treating them well. So there's a lot of parallels there. And that's because these are universal human needs to feel valued and appreciated. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to the CX Patterns Podcast. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see the newsletter that accompanies each podcast episode and contains more details and links that support the information shared during this episode. And if that's a great way to share CX Patterns with someone else who you think would like listening or reading about this content. If you have feedback, well, this is a podcast about customer experience, so you know I'd love to hear from you. The easiest way to do that is connect with me on LinkedIn. Share your questions, your comments, your thoughts. I have turned multiple comments into sections of podcasts and responded to them, so I will definitely interact with you there. Thanks to my colleague, Emily Tolmer, for creating the CX Patterns logo, and to my friends, Moon Island, for the music. That's all for now. I'll be back in two weeks with another customer experience pattern.